Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for getting us out of bed this morning, for stretching our legs out beneath us, for the breath in our lungs and the coffee in our cup. We give you thanks that we get to gather here and we get to be together. We get to experience you in and through each other. Center us here. And our words and our song shape praise for you. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
I was leading worship with a buddy of mine, Howard, yesterday, and he began this part of worship, the confession part, this way. He said, it's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Anybody know what that's from? Taylor Swift's song, Anti-Hero. It's like top of the billboard in America right now. Turns out Taylor Swift is describing what we reformed Christians have been doing for centuries, acknowledging, hey, it's me. I've messed up, I've fallen short, I've made mistakes. And the best part about following Jesus Christ is that we know Jesus has already forgiven us. We know Jesus has already brought us back up to start anew, we know there's a new path for us. So trusting that Jesus has already forgiven the problem, let us confess our sin together using the prayer of admission in your program. Jesus, you teach us how to live out our faith and we admit we do not always do a good job. We are selfish, we make excuses, we make mistakes. Forgive us, help us to begin anew this day. As we read who you are in scripture, may we have the courage and the discipline to follow you.
This is the cornerstone of our faith. Hear this good news for you. In Jesus, you are forgiven. I am forgiven. We get to live in peace. Thanks be to God. Greetings and good morning. Good to be here with you this morning. Hasn't the music just been outstanding today? Amen, amen, amen. My favorite songs, I grew up listening to my daddy singing those songs. Now, he couldn't sing as good as y'all sang, but he was singing them anyway. Good stuff. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the New Testament, Testament, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. You can find it toward the end of your program if you would like to read along. Once, once, Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, And he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Once, Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. The word of God for the people of God. I'd like to take a few moments today to share with you from a sermon. I believe the sermon title is New Expectations. I think that's the title, but I'm not sure because my expectations changed as I was writing it. (laughs) And I I keep reading it and they keep changing, but it's got something to do with expectations. I know that much. So let's start with New Expectations and we may change that by the time we get to the end. Fair enough? Fair enough. enough. All right, fair enough. Let's do it. Okay. Let's set the stage first of all. It can be difficult to discern the tone and intention of the written word. It can be difficult to read something and really extract what's the tone, what's the energy, what's the attitude of the person who's writing that in that moment? What are they really explaining? What's the context? Have you ever gotten an email from somebody and you misread the tone? Has anybody ever misread the tone in your email or your letter or your text message? It's hard to read something and say, "I, I, I get it, I get the tone. And I think that's important to understand because as I read this, at first I said, oh, isn't this nice? The Pharisees are asking a question. <laughs> I was like, they, they, they're, just, watch this, they're just a little bit curious right here. They, they want to they mark their calendars. They, they, there's no malintent. Just, Jesus, what's going on? When's this thing going to happen? On the surface, the question or the statement, once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, that seems pretty mundane. But Jesus' response gives us some insight into the tone and intention of the Pharisees. He said the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Let me tell you what the scholars tell us and the translators tell us and the people who are smarter than me tell us. They say that the word observation or observe there, the ancient Greek for that word means hostile examination. Hostile examination. It was a hostile examination. That's how they were approaching Jesus with this question. Why hostile? Why? Think about it. The people knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. They had heard the stories. They had been passed down. 
They had been imagining the glory of the coming Messiah. They longed, longed for the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. And at this point in his ministry, Jesus had some disciples, taught a few lessons, provided a model prayer, shared a few parables, performed some miracles. He had a track record. Jesus had done some things that had not been done before in a manner never seen before. Yet still with a hostile approach, when and where is his kingdom going to show up? Then in a typical Jesus fashion, they get an answer that makes you say, say what? Huh? The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there it is. Wait a minute, no, no things, no things, nothing we can touch, nothing we can claim, nothing we can say is ours, not theirs. You know we like things that are ours, not theirs, whoever we are and they are. We like that. Nothing that we can hold up to prove I got this, you don't, therefore I am better than you. No, no things, Jesus, we want things, not just to observe. We want things to touch and things to hold and things to own and things to separate us. No things. We like things, especially when those things make us feel better than and more than whoever the other people are. Jesus said, no things. You can't say, look, here it is. You can't say, look, there it is. No, no, no membership card here. No digital badge here. No, no certificate here. No special lanyard to wear to get you into certain areas. No VIP seating here. No, no things. Why? For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. That word among in some versions will be within you, among and within you. I'm going to go with both and today, among and within you. It's moments like this that make me wish that I had a camera shot of the disciples' expression when Jesus said that. It'd probably be a gif or something on Twitter today if they did. My imagination fails me when I attempt to picture what did their faces look like when Jesus said this. I can't even imagine what it looked like. I imagine they were dumbfounded. I imagine they were perplexed. I imagine they were confused. I imagine they were collectively shaking their heads. Because what was among and within them from their expectations was not the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. What was among and within them from their expectation, from the way they viewed it, was not the kingdom of God. Have you ever looked among and within yourself and wondered where the kingdom of God was? Have you ever been in a space that, where, where, where is this king? When is it going to come? Thy kingdom come. Now let me pause for a second because I want us to be very careful here. One of the easiest things that we can do right now is we can sit back and pull our shoulders back and kind of crack our neck and look around and we can begin to criticize and judge the Pharisees. We can go in on the Pharisees right now. I mean, let's face it, they normally do give us pretty ample material. <laughs> normally do. But, but today we're not going to do that. Oh, 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 those Pharisees. How dare, how dare they question Jesus with hostility. Oh, those Pharisees. Witnessing miracles and still doubting. They got to see the glory of God up front in person and still they come with the spirit of doubt. Oh, those Pharisees. They were in the midst walking near Jesus, close enough to touch the hem of his garment, yet they still did not believe. Oh my goodness, those Pharisees. So smart, so knowledgeable, could pass any test, yet they couldn't see the Lord if he was right there in front of them 
where he was. Oh, those Pharisees. Sometimes I wonder if we have anything in common with the Pharisees. Sometimes I wonder if we have some tendencies that are consistent with the Pharisees. Sometimes I wonder, I wonder if we would serve ourselves, God, and each other a little better. If we resisted the urge to judge the interaction between the Pharisees and Jesus and instead ask, what can we learn from it? Expectations. Sometimes they need to be realigned. Expectations. Sometimes they need to be reframed. Expectations. Every now and again, you got to reset them. Expectations. Sometimes we got to establish or even restore them. Expectations. You ever been in a situation where your expectations were not synced or in sync with the other person you were in relationship with? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever been in that space before? Where, where, where your expectations were not only not synced, they weren't met, and therefore you felt some kind of way about it? Parents and children sometimes have misaligned expectations. Significant others sometimes have misaligned expectations. Friends, misaligned expectations. Colleagues, not on, we say things like we're not on the same page. <laughs> Anybody heard that? Uh, we need to get on one accord. <laughs> let, let, let's revisit where we're starting from here. We do things like that. Watch this. Sometimes, sometimes if we're real about it, our expectations with ourselves are misaligned and unaligned. If you want to get real about it. It can be frustrating. It can be challenging. It can be perplexing. It can be confusing to be in a space and in a relationship where our expectations are not aligned and not in sync. And this is the space that Jesus was in right now. And this is the space that the Pharisees were in right now. But something amazing happens here. Jesus was providing an opportunity for the Pharisees to realign their expectations. No, 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 no. It's not going to be there or there. It's among and within you. An opportunity to align expectations. Notice something. Jesus does not allow the people to put their expectations on him. The beauty of Jesus is that Jesus can meet us where we are, yet still, still maintain the expectation that he has of us. That's the beauty of Jesus. I want to explore how our expectations of God's kingdom may be misaligned with the reality of God's kingdom. Our expectations can be shaped by a variety of things. And one of the things I want us to do is I want us to stop judging each other because other people don't see in God what we see in God. Other people don't have the experience of God that we have with God. Yeah, we've got different experiences. We have different cultures. We have different beliefs. We have different paths. We have different journeys. Your journey took you one way. Mine took me another way. Somebody took them another way. And if all we do is judge the journey that people are on, we not only miss our journey, not just that, we begin to judge them and become a barrier to their journey. I want us today to recognize that we can form expectations of God's kingdom that don't align with what it truly is, and we got to be careful of that, what we believe, what we desire, and what we experience. For example, we may expect God's kingdom to be a physical place, something we can find and point to. However, Jesus says the kingdom is within us, it's among us. He emphasizes that the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality, something that is found within our hearts. 
The kingdom is not something to be found in the physical world. There is no address. You cannot GPS it. You cannot track it. It cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. It is in the spiritual realm, one that is within us. Let me say that again. The spiritual realm, one that is within us. No magic, nothing out there. It's within us. It is a place of peace and a place of joy, a place of hope and a place of love. It's God's presence and grace in all of us. We cannot see it with our eyes or touch with our hands, but it is there. It is something that we must seek out, something that we must strive for. If we keep looking from without for what's within, we won't see it. It's not about finding it. It's about unfolding and revealing it. It is there. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Ghost. We may also expect God's kingdom to be a place of power and influence and control where we can accumulate wealth and we can make a name for ourselves and we can climb up through the ranks and we can have somebody under us and we're over them. And, but Jesus gives us a different picture. The kingdom of God is a place of humble service, sacrificial love. It is a place where we put others before ourselves and strive to show God's love to the world. I think that's worth saying again. A place of humble service and sacrificial love. A place where we put others before ourselves and strive, strive to show God's love to the world. Is that within and among us? In addition, we may expect God's kingdom to be this place, this place of perfect justice. Ah, this place where all wrongs are made right immediately. This place where everybody is treated fairly and this place where everybody gets what they need. This place where there's no need for nonprofits and non-governmental agencies. This place where everybody has a place to sleep and a place to eat and their needs are met. This place where we are truly looking out for the least of them and we know, unfortunately, we are not there right now. Kingdom tells us to be patient and trust that God will bring justice in God's perfect timing. Yet and, yet and in the meantime, as they said so beautifully earlier, we still can wake up and do what we can to make this world a better place. We still can wake up and do what we can where we are with what we have. One of the challenges with this whole idea of justice this whole idea of making the world better is that we spend so much time pointing at somebody else and hoping they will do something that we don't do what we can with what we have where we are. When will we see the kingdom within and among us and do the justice that we're able to do with the platforms and positions that we have? That's when the kingdom of God shows up. See, our expectations of God's kingdom may not line up with the reality of God's kingdom. We must be careful not to let our own desires and expectations and beliefs shape our understanding of God's kingdom. We must instead embrace, embrace an open heart, oh, excuse me, open heart, open mind, and really listen to what Jesus is telling us. This is the only true way to understand God's kingdom and for us to live in it. We must seek out the kingdom of God by living out the teachings of Jesus in our daily lives. Strive for a life of love. Strive for a life of compassion. Strive for a life of humility. 
We must look beyond this physical world and focus on the spirit. We must strive to live a life that is pleasing to God. And it starts with the journey. As Jesus was saying to the disciples, to the Pharisees, excuse me, a journey within, within and among us. As I sit down, let me remind you. Our relationship and our love for God, this eternal, eternal path that we are on, the path to the eternal does not start with the external. It starts with the internal. It starts inside of us. Let's not look around. Let's look within. Let's not look out. Let's look in and among. Remember this. Our faith informs our expectations. I believe that. Our faith informs our expectations. Let us look within and see what our faith tells us about the kingdom of God within. May we all take time to listen to Jesus and align our expectations with the word of God. May we all strive to live in the kingdom of God. May we all strive for the kingdom of God to live in us, not just on our words. Thanks be to God.
God, there's so much on our minds and heavy on our hearts this morning, and we lift it to you to hold with and for us. We pray for the people of Turkey and Syria in the aftermath of the earthquake. We pray for the survivors, and we pray for all who are grieving the loss of many who have died. And we pray for Auckland, New Zealand, on the other side of the world in the midst of a storm, Gabriel, Lord, we don't understand all natural disaster, but we do show up for each other as you taught us. Lord, we pray for our nation and we pray for our state and we pray for our city of Columbia. Help us to find and celebrate your kingdom among us. God, we pray for those at the children's hospital right now, some of our own, We pray for those in hospice right now, some of our own. We pray for those receiving chemo, for those who don't know what comes next. We pray for the lonely, for we are many. We pray for parents and for children. Lord, give us strength. And we pray using the words that you gave us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Each week we affirm what we believe using uh, the words of an ancient creed. It's usually the Apostles' Creed, but in this sermon series on what we believe, we're shaking things up. Today we're gonna read a portion of the Confession of 1967. And I just wanna remind us that we say the creeds out loud so that we can pass on the faith from generation to generation. It's the same reason we teach on the Holy Scriptures, to pass them on. It's okay if you have questions about this creed. It's okay if you don't agree with every word. The purpose is for us to cultivate faith, to have questions, to get curious about it. And it's okay if we stumble over the words because we've never said it together. So I invite you now to stand and together, let us confess what we believe. Beloved, what do you believe? With an urgency born of hope, The church applies itself to present tasks and strives for a better world. It does not identify limited progress with the kingdom of God on earth, nor does it despair in the face of disappointment and defeat. In steadfast hope, the church looks beyond all partial achievement to the final triumph of God. Now to him who by the power within us is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.
In the back of your program, there's a question that says, what does faith have to do with me? Everything. Everything. For it is through faith that we believe the kingdom of God is within us and among us. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Let the church say amen. 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 Go in peace. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.